Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh, today, uh, my topic is servanthood, a godly, I've just put that title as a godly ambition. Okay. Uh, I'll just pray and we'll begin. Father, we bless you, Lord, and thank you for these opportunities to worship you, Lord. Lord, we know that, uh, Lord, this is only a, a fraction, Lord, of what, a fraction of our response to what you have done for each of us, Lord. And Lord, we worship you, we adore you, Lord. We thank you for this privilege of knowing you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for this privilege of walking with you, Lord. Uh, Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us, Lord. Uh, You are changing us, Lord. Each moment there is an encounter with you and we are privileged to be your people. Thank you, Jesus. That, Lord, not only you died, but you rose again and you're with us every moment, Lord. Thank you, Father. We commit this word and we commit this time ahead into your hands. We pray, continue, Lord, to change us, Lord, to align us, Lord, according to your word and make us in your likeness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My topic is servanthood. And as I was just preparing Uh, this uh, aspect of servanthood, Uh, I was thinking about uh, the security person who works with us. We stay in the church premise, and uh, this is a 112-year-old church, and we have the privilege of staying there for the past 24 years. Uh, So we have a security guard there, and uh, his name is Dilip, and he uh, has been working with us for the past 20 years, okay? Uh, I want to say that he's not just a security guard, but he does his work with a passion. And I was thinking about him. Uh, when I'm out on a Sunday, like when we, we go to different places, and when I come back, then uh, he gives me a feedback of all the three English services. Like, you know? <laughs> now, we have pastors looking after the church, but... Uh, you know, he's more accountable or whatever, like, you know, uh, he's great. Uh, he tells me that the first service was full. Saab, first service was full. Second youth service was okay. Uh, evening service, there were less people. People have gone on vacation. So don't worry, they'll come back. Like, you know, so, you know, so that's a, uh, 
last Sunday when I came back, oh, last Sunday we were there, and last Sunday he told me, sir, I managed 23 cars in and around the premise. Like, you know, so our premise is very small. It can take about like 10, 11 cars, but he manages like a lot of cars outside. He has a good rapport with traffic people. He has a good rapport with the neighborhood people. 23 cars, he said. Like Two weeks back, he said, Sir, Saab, I think evening service, you should start a Sunday school. You know, when you have Sunday school, then more people will come, like, you know, People with families will come, like, you know, and it will grow. I said, great idea, like, you know, so uh, uh, we run a school there. And in the pandemic, like, we had a tough time with the school. Uh, in the pandemic, we had a tough time with the school. We, the school, which is 170 kids, uh, came down to 25. And then slowly, like, the numbers are uh, going up. And he gives me a kind of account of today, there were three new admissions, sir, like, you know, so... And so all that. Uh, when I go out of the premise, I tell him where I'm going. Okay, I tell him when I come back also. So I really make myself accountable to him. Okay, <laughs> okay he's a very important man. And so uh, I was just thinking that uh, this man works with such a sense of ownership. Okay, and uh, he knows he's. Uh, working for a church, not just working for the church, he's working for God, you know, God's place. Uh, he has two grown-up children, and uh, they both are part of the church also. And so, I was just thinking that, that there are so many things that we can learn from people around. And it's so amazing. Like Sometimes, like, we think, you know, we've got it all together, you know, and we know it all. Uh, but when you just see simple people, you know, passionate in their work, and not just their work, uh, but in seeing what is happening around them, you're so blessed and you're so amazed. And uh, you give thanks to God. Lord, I mean, you've made people so beautiful and there is so much to learn from one another. And so, I want to say that, you know, even as we look at, like, uh, you know, this aspect of, servanthood. Uh, there is so much to learn from people around and they bless our lives. If we look at like the context of Mark 10, it's very interesting. Like, you know, the whole chapter of Mark 10, uh, the people are talking to Jesus about divorce. Like, you, know, you know, Moses said about divorce. And uh, so what's, what are your thoughts? And he said, no, Moses said that, that you can do it because their hearts were hard, you know, but you should persevere. You know, that's, that's what Jesus was speaking about, being faithful and persevering and not taking shortcuts or you know, getting into your selfish way of thinking. And then uh, the disciples, like they were rebuking the children you know, and uh, looking down upon them. Whereas Jesus was saying, you need to be like them. If you want to step into the kingdom of God, you have to be like them and not look down upon them. And then the rich young ruler comes and says, you know, what else should I do? I've done all this. And then Jesus says that uh, you can only be secure in God. I mean, like you're still holding on to your treasure. And Jesus was in a way saying, you need to make me as your treasure. You know? And then you can follow me. And then he's also talking about, you know, the disciples, they're excited that they're with Jesus, the Messiah. 
I mean, good things are going to come. And Jesus says, I'm going to die. Okay. Be prepared for the worst. So in a sense, like Jesus uh, is talking to his disciples and teaching them so many things of the kingdom. You know, things about, uh, uh, you know, himself and the life in him, which is so different, you know, from what they were thinking and what we are thinking also. And so even in this aspect of servanthood, uh, many times when we look at our lives, uh, we would want to run it, you know, with our natural desires, even as we look at this aspect of servanthood. So I want to just look at like three aspects of our natural desires, you know, and uh, see what Jesus is saying you know, whether we, I mean, we all have these desires, but Jesus is saying about something different, something greater than these desires. And that's what like, we want to look at. The first thing that we want to see over here is a, a desire for recognition. You know, even as we live our lives, there is a desire for recognition. Uh, and so we're looking at it in the background of how do we understand servanthood, like, you know, in each of us. So, and that's what like uh, the disciples, sons of Zebedee were saying, Lord, you know, assign those places on your left and right. <laughs> like, you know? And so they wanted to be seen with Jesus, prominence, recognition. And, uh, and so a desire to go up, desire to be the boss or next to the boss or the next boss, okay? Uh, a feeling that, uh, you know, you're better than others. And uh, you deserve it. Uh, those are some of the things that we go through in our minds. I was thinking that like uh, generally people do it in a very subtle way. You know, he, they were straight away asking Jesus, what about? <laughs> you know, sometimes like, you know, the boss has to discern like, what is this person up to? Like, you know, you know what are they thinking? What do they want? No, they just said it. They even use their mother, you know, to go and, uh, you know, Tell their boss, like, know that these places can be considered for their children, for her children. So, and so the result is that, like, I mean, all the other ten looked down. I mean, the the atmosphere was spoiled because of all that, and uh, and then everybody use, and we will uh, see that, like, then everybody tries to pull one another down so that they would get to that place of recognition. Now, many times. We feel with that, we all do that because we feel that with that, there'll be a sense of joy and satisfaction, you know. And so we want to kind of like work towards it, make that happen in our lives. And so Jesus is saying something totally different. And Jesus is saying that recognition will come, you know, when you become a servant of everyone. You know, a servant of everyone. If you desire recognition in that sense. You need to serve everyone. He says something that is totally uh, different. It means that the focus of our life is not recognition, but the focus of our life is serving one another. And Jesus is saying maybe through that is the way where you will get recognition or like you will move up. So basically he's saying putting others first. It's not putting ourselves first, but putting others first. Giving others honor and regard. And that's the best way to live our lives. 
I was remembering that uh, we came to Kolaba to look after the church. And uh, we were staying in Chembur. We were part of the church over there. And uh, we came there. We both were 28, like, you know, when we uh, started looking after the church. So, you know, we were all excited. Uh, we were asked to come there. And so we went there. And so we started looking after the church. Then, after some time, I said, like, you know, we need to have some kind of a structure so that people know who's where and how things can go systematically. So I made a kind of a discipleship chart. Like, you know, so, and uh, on the discipleship chart, who was on top? Both of us, like, you know. So, Joe and Sunita. Then, like, then, you know, like a big chart. Like, then all the cell leaders. Like, you know, so, then all the potential leaders. Like, you know, and then all the other people. Like, you know, I said, this is going to work now. <laughs> now, I'm going to make this work. Because that's what, I mean, we are the leaders. We are the pastors. So, we need to make this work. And this is how it will function all smoothly together. You know, listening to one another. You know, so we had all kinds of chaos, like you know. And I was wondering, why is this not working? Like, huh? you know, because this is supposed to be the structure. Like, huh? And we had such hard times, you know, in those days, in those early days. And so God was taking us through those hard lessons. And so God was in a way saying, I mean, the chart looks good, but the orientation is a problem. Like, <laughs> so turn the chart twice. No, one way and then twice. Now, who do you see on top and who do you see on bottom? Like, so, the people need to be on top and you need to be at the bottom. Like, no? And that's the way it's going to work. And that's the way we saw you know, peace in uh, what we were doing. So, we would be there for setup and wind up. Okay? To... Not that it's expected of them. No, it's expected of us to be there. To see what's happening. We work with them. We serve them. You know, uh, to be there around the worship practice. And we'll be so touched. I mean, like, there are some things that happen in church that we can take it for granted. You know, but every Sunday to be there. Many times, like Fridays, I would be nervous. I mean, would the team be there? Would the musicians be there? Would the leaders be there? To be there with them. Not that, you know, you, I don't know how to play. I sing a little bit. But just to be there with them. And uh, to see, uh, do they need some tea? Uh, do they need some encouragement? And to just be around them. Visit people. I mean, not just like... Uh, just the people who are just coming there and uh, praying for them. But I just felt that I need to know what they do. And, and many times, like, I would kind of, like, visit their offices uh, to pray for people. To just see, you know, what responsibility they carry. Uh, you know, what is their, what is the work involved? You know? And so and so forth. Helping young people study. We had so many people, like, who would just stop their studies and to Help them to do their graduation, get jobs, you know, help young people in their marriages, meet parents and so on and so forth. Now, why am I saying all this? You may be thinking, yes, this is what we see Anand and Ajita doing, okay, or Felix and Tarika doing. I want to say, this is what we all need to be doing for one another. That's what 
the community of Christ is about serving one another being involved in the lives of one another the last company that i worked for was godrich and uh, i had a boss by the name george menenzis it was a joy to work with him and uh, what i saw different in him was that like he was a branch manager of mumbai branch what i saw different in him was that i have see i saw many managers come and go and then after their tenure they've gone to the next position okay everybody under them they are there and so in our firm there will be people working for 25 30 years they're in the same place they've lost their hair you know and uh, they have the hair has become from black to gray they are there you know they are there like the furniture they are there but this man when he came there he said if we have opportunities vacancies why not we look at our people first internal first and then go for external and so i saw many people you know getting opportunities it is not that like he would just uh, you know recommend them blindly no but he would give them opportunities so that with the opportunities they are if they are able to move to the next level you know that is good and many people move to the next level because of his leadership because he was not just looking at his own position and his own growth but looking at people under him to see how they can grow how they can move ahead and definitely he moved ahead i think today he's the business head in one of the uh, one of the companies he's the coo and definitely i mean when he looked at the interests of others then god exalts and honor uh, comes through that and so so i just want to say that uh, we are these are our natural desires we will always fall into that trap we we will always fall into that mode you know but we need christ we need christ and that's what he says for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so we need his nature in us the his work to be done in our hearts so that we move in that direction i was just thinking that you know the gospel the good news is not just about miracles and healing and healings and getting our needs met with that's again being served am i saying something wrong or right like look <laughs> that's again being served so we use christ for our benefit so we are served no the good news is also about you know having his nature having his heart of laying it down dying to self you know and looking at others giving them honor giving them the first place that's the deeper work of jesus in our hearts that we need to allow god to do that's what makes us different now i'm not saying god does not it's not it's bad to you know seek answers for prayer or healing over he will do but there are other things also that's not just the gospel that's not what the good news is about christ died so that you know his spirit would be in us to transform and change us so that we would be people who will serve others by his death and resurrection he puts an end to every kind of selfish ambition 
and recognition and gives us grace to be servant of all. Gives us grace. And so we are not ashamed. We don't feel that we are down there while serving. In fact, there is a joy in serving. There is a pleasure involved in serving. And that's the work of Christ in our hearts. That's the deep work of Christ in our hearts. I was thinking, how do people like Graham Staines, you know, they leave their country and they come to India, they serve lepers and they give their lives. How do they do that? It's the work of Christ in their hearts to serve others. And even after being killed and murdered, his wife being able to forgive the murderers and still serve God. That's the work of God. That's the work of Christ. When we understand what Christ has done for us, that's what we naturally move into. So we move away from our natural desires and we begin to operate with the heart of Jesus. So that, so I would say service should be our recognition. Not our titles or position. Service. We should be I mean, by the grace of God, be recognized by how we serve one another. That's uh, important. The second aspect is, I mean, when we look at living our lives and our natural desires, a desire for power. A desire for power. So that's also something that works in our mind, you know, wherever we are. I would say that uh, wherever God has placed us, you know, God has given us the responsibility to lead, whatever it is, small or big responsibilities. But still we are leaders in that place. Okay. In some capacity or the other. Even if we are at home as parents, we are called to lead. Even if you are siblings at home, we are, you know, elder, you know, elder brothers or elder sisters, we are called to lead. Anyone is called to lead. But the danger is that, like, you know, with that, leadership call or just as people so wanting to do something there is always the danger of desiring for power and that power can actually corrupt us when we begin to lead or begin to grow in our responsibility whether we realize it or not power is neutral but in our sinful nature it has the, the potential to corrupt and destroy us so it kind of like works in our minds. I was thinking like of the example of uh, Samson in the Old Testament. Okay, Samson. Now, I'll just read that. Oh, okay. Before that, I'll just read uh, verse 42. And that's what like Jesus was saying. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And so he was, I mean, like, he was speaking about it not in a positive way, but in a negative way. So with that, you know, position comes that, you know, desire to exploit and use power in wrong ways and not in right ways. In the Old Testament, we see the life of Samson. He was called, chosen, anointed, blessed with strength. For what? Judges 13, 5 says to his mother, the angel of the Lord came and said, you will become pregnant and you will have a son whose head is never to, be, never to be touched by a razor. Because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So called 
to be the deliverer of Israel. Called to be a deliverer, to rescue, to save people, to protect people. But uh, Samson's life was totally different. Most of the time, he was on a personal agenda. Okay? You know, most of the, he's on a personal agenda. I mean, he's forgotten, you know, God's agenda. He's on a personal agenda. He used his strength merely to settle scores. I mean, something happened to him. And so, he was settling scores with different people. Okay, that's what uh, you can read about Samson in Judges uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, uh, in the Old Testament. He made ungodly alliances. You know, with women. Went by his natural instincts. Because he was powerful. And he took benefit. He disregarded godly counsel. And in the end, like it was a sad and tragic end for him. Now why am I saying this? It's not just about Samson. This can be our story also. In wherever God has placed us. Positions of power and authority. This could be our story also. We could be on a personal agenda. We could be, could be settling you know, personal scores with people. You know, and uh, having ungodly alliances that are not right. Disregarding godly counsel. Being independent. Thinking I can do it. I know it. You know, so that could be our story. And so to be careful about this aspect. Because... Power can corrupt us and destroy us. And, but Jesus is saying that that power and authority and that grace is given to us not to be you know, over people, but to be under people. So that's something that is contrary, opposite you know, to what uh, you know, normally we would think. And so using power, yeah, using power to protect people, using power to persevere for, for people, restore and rebuild people, release people into their destinies. And so, I was thinking that when we look at the cross, you know, we can see all this. In Christ. He had all power and authority. But he became the true deliverer of all of us. Of all the people. The true deliverer. He used all his power and authority to protect. To persevere for people. To restore and rebuild. To release people into their destiny. So when we look at the cross, there's no personal agenda on the cross. There is no settling scores on that cross. There is no aspect of oppressing others. But he was himself oppressed so that others would be protected and saved and rescued. He was not doing his own thing. He was doing the Father's will. He was doing the Father's will. He was on his Father's mission. And he had a glorious end. (laughs) He had a glorious end. I was just thinking that, uh, you know, uh, even, uh, even, so in his, in his death, in his resurrection, and post-resurrection also, he maintained that posture of serving others. Even after his resurrection, and though 
the disciples all went back to fishing. Okay? But he was there on the shore making breakfast for them. For all those people who deserted him. Went away. But still he was there. You know, uh, uh, to help them. And so that's what we see. So restoration is the right use of power. So just look in our natural desires and instincts. We want to be people who want recognition, want power, but restoration is the right use of power. And thirdly and lastly, a desire for comfort. A desire for comfort. Uh, so that posture also comes from this thinking that I deserve it. I have worked for it. I have earned it. And so I deserve that comfort. You know, rather than you know, serving, be served so that you are comfortable. I think like, you know, we all of us, like we have that n- narrative running in our minds, like, that we deserve it. Okay, we deserve it. I know that <clears throat> my dad would say, see, in our time, we didn't have money to study. Like, you know? So you study. Okay, we didn't even, you know, we were not able to go to college. <clears throat> we had to take up jobs to support the family. With the hard-earned money, we got one BHK. Okay. So, now, Study. Work hard so that you will have a better life. Uh, so that you can earn it and you would deserve it. So that's what like we tell our children also. Your grandfather <laughs> didn't have any money. Okay? Still, like you know, he educated us. Like you know. And he, so he sent us to state schools, not international schools. The feast was 5 rupees, 6 rupees, 7 rupees. Like, you know, that's how we learned and we studied. We, we never had pocket money. Only pockets we had. No money, like, you know, so. You have, you know, this is not enough, like, you know, for you. And so, you know, be grateful, be thankful, study hard, so that tomorrow you live a comfortable life. So, that's the narrative that all of us have work now, you know, and uh, you will enjoy later. We have earned it. Uh, we deserve it. Uh, many times, like, you know, you see uh, in Mark 10, I mean, even when you're with your Messiah, you know, and doing his work, you have the same thoughts. Because what uh, Peter is saying over here in Mark 10, 28, you know, much before what we read, Peter spoke and said, we have left everything to follow you. <laughs> what is there for us in this? Huh? We've let go and we're following you. What's there in this uh, for us? And so uh, the answer is not in the following verses, but the answer is in the preceding verses you know, that Jesus says. And Jesus is saying over here, in Mark 10, 26 and 27, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, now this is about Jesus uh, talking about the rich young ruler and uh, he was unwilling to let go 
and he was saying it is very hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of god because he think he thinks he's done all this and he's earned it and he'll make it and jesus is saying that it's very hard who then can be saved jesus looked at them and said with man this is impossible but not with god all things are possible with god and so what we just understand is that we can't rest on our work what we were worshiping about but we rest on his work and we have grace from his work and 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 when we work from that grace which we receive from his work then it becomes something that is fruitful something that is enjoyable you know something that is pleasurable otherwise like we'll be like the rich young ruler he had everything yet he felt empty yet he felt empty you know but the answer is in god and when we work with that posture obviously there is a reward in christ and that's what like jesus is saying mark 10 29 to 31 truly i tell you now it's working with that grace Jesus replied no one was left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes brothers sisters mothers children and fields along with persecutions okay that is also there so uh, we have grace in him to go through difficulties painful times also and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first obviously if we trust in our work we'll go to the back of the line <laughs> but when we trust in his work we'll stand with him in him and in his grace this kind of work this service has eternal rewards and no one can take that away from us and so that's the heart that jesus is saying that we need to work with we have these natural desires a desire for recognition but jesus is saying service a desire for comfort but putting you know a desire the second one what is the second one i said power you know so using power to protect to build to restore lives a desire for comfort not from our work but from his work and standing in his grace you know even as i was just looking at this whole aspect of what jesus was saying you know uh 24 years back in this month of june was a time where i let go of work and then uh joined the church and my boss asked me the same boss asked me joe do you think you'll be happy and secure and comfortable and and we said like so we will trust god that we don't know what lies ahead but we know that god is going to be there and so as i was just looking at my life not to boast of anything uh, this service has become a passion and not just a work he sets us free when he's there with us and 
So you can say, Joe, you are in the church, so it makes sense to you. No, I want to say, wherever God has called us, when we work with His heart and His posture, that work becomes a passion for us. It's not a job. It's not just work. That service becomes a joy, not a burden. And in this service, we have seen God opening His provisions for us. And there has been no lack. In this, this service has given us fulfillment. There is no regret looking back. For us. And this service, I felt, each day is an expression of His love you know, and not our effort to please Him. And so, I want to say that divine pleasure is the greatest comfort. No, I mean that pleasure that comes from Him. Being in Christ, working with His heart and His spirit. There is a joy that is there. I was remembering what uh, Eric Liddell was saying, the famous sprint, sprinter from uh, UK. And uh, he was called to go to China. And someone asked like, why do you, why do you still participate in athletics? You should go as a missionary. And he said, I know that God has called me to China. But I also know God has made me fast. Because when I run, I feel his pleasure. Uh, I think when we work you know, with, with the joy of Jesus in our hearts, and when we work serving others, giving ourselves to others, bringing restoration in the lives of others, there is that pleasure that we receive in Him. And that's the way we can you know, grow in this aspect of servanthood and being like Christ. I'll pray then. Father, we remember those words again. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, we want to pray that, Lord, as we, Lord, look at what was accomplished on the cross for us, Lord. Lord, we know that desire for recognition and power and comfort, Lord. Lord, that was broken at the cross, Lord. So that in you there will be grace available for us. To serve, to restore, and to experience your pleasure in all that we do, Lord. Lord, we commit ourselves into your hands. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done on the cross and what you're doing in our lives, Lord, so that we would be every day more and more like you. We bless you and we exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.